Worldview is what you determine is real. You know, what is real? And out of that comes your beliefs, you know, what is true. And out of that comes your values, you know, what is good. And out of that comes your behavior, you know, what you do. And so everything that we do comes out of our worldview. And the question isn't whether we have a worldview or not, because we all have a worldview. Even if we never heard that word before, we all have a worldview. Whether conscious or subconscious, our worldview is a combination of, you know, of all that you believe to be real and true. And, and like that, you know, that diagram shows, it becomes a driving force behind every emotion, every decision, every action that you take. It affects your response to every area of your life. And the important question really is um, whether is is not whether you have a worldview or not, but whether you have a worldview that will lead you to the kind of life, that abundant life that God designed for you to live. You know, that is the most important question. Do you have a worldview? Do you have a worldview that that leads you into the life that God has created or designed for you to have. And uh, we started and we'll continue to go through the book of Romans to see what God's real world view is all about. And hopefully, you'll begin to see that, you know, it really makes a lot of sense. You know, it really is the best world view from which to live. And uh, Romans, I love the book of Romans. In fact, um, Romans might be my favorite book of the Bible other than the book of Mark. But um, it really is a, a great book. So many people um, have come to know the Lord when they really got into the book of Romans. A lot of people call it the gospel according to Romans. But Christianity had come to Rome after Pentecost. You know, Pentecost people from all over uh, went to Jerusalem to, for that festival, Passover. And, you know, they stayed there for a while. The Holy Spirit came. They stayed there for a while. And then they went back home. And when they went back home, the people who went home to Rome, um, Christianity began to grow. But due to the ruckus and some uproar about Christ in Rome, Claudius, who was the Roman emperor at that time, expelled the Jews around 49 AD. He said, oh, you, you know, he's just tired of this, and he kicked them all out of Rome. And as a result, um, the church grew uh, mainly with Gentiles, with non-Jewish leaders, and people. So it became a really non-Jewish church following Jesus, which was kind of rare at that time. And then um, at about 54 AD, when Claudius had died and the, the uh, edict was rescinded, the Jews began to come back. But then, you know, as they came back, uh, tension began to grow um, because the Jews were putting pressure on, on the church to return to a Jewish culture and Jewish practices and, and pretty much a Jewish-focused worldview. And there's a lot of tension going on, you know? And they weren't able to separate what was cultural and what was from Christ. And, you know, this is something that has gone on uh, throughout uh, the, the, the establishing of the church. And you find in Acts 15, um, just a funny, not, not really funny story there, where the Jews... We're saying, you know what, um, you know, people in the church, 
you got to be circumcised to be a Christian, you know, to which all the men in the city were like, what? You know, it was like all the church became just women and children, but that's another story. But, um, you know, there was this tension going on, and Paul wrote this letter in part to address this growing tension. And what he wanted to do was, was clearly lay down what the, the essence of following Christ is all about. That, that what, is, what is being a Christian all about beyond culture? And what he was doing was he was outlining God's worldview, what God's worldview was all about. And this is so important to us because so often in our worldview as Christ followers, it, it's so easy to be influenced by other sources beyond the Bible. You know, I mean, whether we think it or not, our worldview is tainted. Our biblical, godly worldview can be tainted by things like our culture, different philosophies, and, and, and other religions. And, and like, the, like the Roman Christians living at that time, it's so, 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 so important for us to know what God's real worldview is because that'll be the basis for everything that we think and believe and we do. And so um, we're going to be looking, you know, we're going to continue uh, to look at the book of Romans. And, uh, you know, I hope that at the very least you begin to see like, oh, you know what? You know, the, the reason I think the way I do and my worldview, it's really easy to be influenced. And I didn't realize that I was being influenced by other sources and other thoughts. And so look how Paul starts in chapter 1. You know, Max, a couple of weeks ago, you know, talked about the gospel, but we're going to start at verse 18. But, but this is how Paul begins the whole deal. It says, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky uh, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, so they have no excuse for knowing God. That's called general revelation, where you can look around and look, well, you know, all this, it had to come from somebody. I look around the mountains, I look at this, only God could have created it. He's saying, like, nobody has an excuse for not knowing God. Verse 21, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. That's sad, right? They, they knew God. They, they just chose to ignore God, to turn away from God. And in fact, they began to think of foolish ideas of what God is like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God... They worshiped idols made to look like mere people, birds, and animals, and reptiles. You know, they exchanged worshiping God to worshiping just things that they make up which they could see, you know? And, and that's so tragic to me. Verse 24, so what's the result? So God abandoned them to whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result... They did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. That happens all the time today. Who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. 
This is why God abandoned them. God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with one another. And men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. And they all started, you know, they trade the truth about God for a lie. And what happens? You know, God doesn't punish. God doesn't throw light in. He just, he just says, all right, you know, if you want to be on your own, you're on your own. And that's the result. Verse 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them. Again, this says, you know, all right, you guys want to be on your own, you're on your own. He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that, they should, that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They became backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent, they invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, and heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. They know there's a penalty, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. And I go back to this over and over and over these days, and I pray about this, because, man, it sounds so much like the world we're living in today. You know? It's like, like, man, God, we're living. We're living Romans 1, you know? And like in the times when Romans was written, it's still too easy to lose sight of God's real worldview and begin to live according to foolish ideas. You know, our thoughts. We make up ideas and thoughts about, about who God is and what God wants and, you know, what, what would Jesus do? And we make up all our own ideas. And let's allow God the Holy Spirit, to truly speak to us this morning through his word. You know, that I'm praying this morning, that you don't just listen to my opinions about the whole thing, but listen to the word and let the Holy Spirit illumine God's word that through his word, you would understand who he is, what he desires, and what his worldview is. And so let's pray and ask God that he would do that in our lives. And Father, we just ask now that would you give us more of the Holy Spirit to truly speak to us through your word. It's just not easy, you know? I mean, I, I, it's hard not to feel like that guy on the video. That I don't want to feel like I'm just so exclusive and intolerant and all this stuff. God. And yet, Lord, show us the difference between our opinions and our beliefs and what is truth. Because it is the truth that sets us free. And so I pray for the truth of your word this morning to truly set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this morning we're going to look at a key truth in God's worldview, right? According to a poll that 88% of the Catholics that were polled and of the majority of members of the Presbyterian and Methodist church that were polled believe that if people are generally good or do enough good things for others during their lives, they will earn a place in heaven. Okay, 
80 friends, not just, you know, that was, I thought that was a little shocking, that, that they believe that if people are generally good, and if they do enough good things in their lives for other people, somehow, some way, they had done enough to earn their way into heaven. And I hear that a lot um, in, in talking with people outside the church and also inside the church. And, you know, secular humanism or, you know, a humanistic kind of worldview purports that every person has basically good intentions, that, that people are good, even though they may occasionally go astray. That's, that's the, that's the worldview, uh, the most common worldview of the world, you know, secular humanism. Now, this view is really common, and it, and it sounds really good. You know, I like the way that sounds. You know, uh, Rousseau, a 17th century French philosopher, his basic theory was man is naturally good, and anything that is not natural has corrupted us from this natural state. We start off really good. Uh, John Locke, a 16th century English philosopher, physician, said man is basically good. He believed that education makes men and makes people what they are, whether good or bad, useful or ineffectual, and that a system of rewards and punishment is what affects the actions of men. And, you know, John Stuart Mill, um, considered to be one of the most significant philosophers in the 19th century, um, he believed that man is intrinsically good and could find a way to reach the ultimate goal, uh, which is overall happiness. And we read these things to which all of us would probably agree, like, yeah, that's a really good thing. Now, I want to believe that people are, are generally good. You know, that, 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 that's where we start off. Yeah, I got some, you know, through, you know, nature versus nurture, a lot of all the stuff out there causes, you know, just, you know people, just, they go crazy, drugs or whatever. But, but, but where it all starts, people are, are, are they, they, they're good, you know. And, when we, and we're going to look at God's worldview um, it can seem, God's worldview can seem kind of grim, you know, kind of negative in contrast. You know, but, it, but if we really would grab hold of the truth of God's worldview and what is true, the results of that worldview and the results of that are just beyond comparison. And so real quick, we're going to look, what does God's worldview say about the condition of man? All right? The first thing, instead of, People are generally good. God's worldview is that we are all affected by the effects of sin. Okay? That we are all affected by the effects of sin. You know, Paul goes on and he, and, you know, he begins to share and begins to teach and exhort the Romans. And then in, in Romans 3 verse 9, uh, he says, Well then, should we conclude that, that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. And God's worldview is that man is not naturally good because of sin. Because of the presence of sin, we are all affected, we are all infected, and there's no one who's good enough to stand in the presence of God. Later on in Romans 5, verse 12, Paul writes, 
When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone has sinned. It was never God's design. It was never God's design for people to be marred with sin. Right? That was never his design. His design has always been for people created in his image to live in an intimate fellowship with him forever. Right? Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. You know, that was his design. But that all changed when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve. And from that moment on, every single person born on planet Earth is infected with sin. And so our natural nature is bent towards sin. Left on our own, we kind of gravitate towards sin. And if, you know, as parents, we kind of know this. You know, we have our sweet little babies, but man, they're like the most self-centered people around. And, and, you know, it's so crazy. It's like you don't got to teach your kids to just say no. They're just automatic. It might be the first word, no. Oh, hey, come on, let's take it. No. Right? And, and, you know, when I, when, I, when I was raising my kids, I go, yeah, Paul is right. <laughs> There's none righteous. You know, none. You know? And, 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 we, and we, we think this, and it's hard. Because I want to believe. Because I'm, I want to be positive. And I want to believe that everybody just starts off great. But, but God says, no, you got to understand that everybody has been affected by sin. You know? And nobody is righteous. Not only that, or as a result of that, our understanding, our human understanding is flawed because of sin. Because of our, our nature, which is sinful, our understanding is flawed. Romans 3.11, Paul goes on. No one is truly wise. See, no one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. And what he's saying is like, man, you know, people on our own, um, there's no one who is really wise. Our human understanding is inadequate and incomplete. And in order to really have wisdom, we need to seek God. It is God who is all-knowing and all-wise. We don't have that within us because of sin. And this goes against human or rationalistic thinking. Because, you know, we're, we're, we're taught at an early age is that if we study hard enough, or if we research and or we seek people who are experts or educated or experienced, we can find answers to our challenges and problems. And unfortunately, even an Einstein-sized intellect isn't enough. That is why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2.14, he says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. And without the Holy Spirit, we are just incapable of recognizing and knowing spiritual truth. You see, our, our human understanding is limited and is imperfect because of sin. And you know, 
when, when, when I realized that, it was hard, right? Because I'm the kind of person that if I want to go do something or want to learn something or I haven't, you know, just think, I need help, you know, I, I love to go get help, you know, whether uh, it be through books, through people, whatever. And, and, and it's really easy to rely and depend on people. It's way harder for me to just go and say, God, I just need help on this. You know, but the longer you live, the longer you realize that, yeah, you know, my understanding, the, the, the people around me's understanding um, is, is very limited. It is not complete. And when God gives me something, it's so much better. Third thing is our communication is flawed because of sin. Okay, and that's not an excuse for you husbands, okay? All right, you can't say, well, you know, sin, honey, I can't talk real well, you know? But our communication is flawed because of sin. Verse 13, Paul goes on. Their talk is foul like stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Because of, th- because of sin, even the things we say, our communication is damaged. Unfortunately, you know, our sin-tainted human nature leads people to use deceit and trickery and cleverness to manipulate people to, to, to get what they want, you know? That they'll, they'll say just about anything to get really what they want out of other people. And our world is filled with unhappy people who say hurtful things that cause pain to the people around them uh, who they feel have hurt them, you see? If you're thinking, I don't know about that, there's, there's certain, I, I, I recognize this to be true when I started to look for a car once, you know? Um, people at certain car, not all, because I don't want to offend everybody, but certainly at certain car dealers, you know, they'll say and they'll do anything, right? They'll say anything. And I went to one and, and uh, the guy goes, hey, let me, let me have your keys so I can check your car for trade-in. Don't ever give your keys to those salespeople. I give them my keys, right? And he started giving us, and everything I said, right, was like, like, like for instance, like, oh, so, so you local right? He goes, yep. So where'd you go high school? I went to Castle. Oh, Castle, you know our, 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 our finance guy? He's from Castle, too. His name is so-and-so. Have you ever heard of him? I said, yeah, I think I heard him. Oh, yeah, you know, he, he loves Castle people, Right? And, you know, we, after we've been there for about mm, 36 hours, you know, I thought it was time for us to leave, right? So I, I said, okay, you know what? Not really going to buy a car today. Can I get my keys back? So, oh, wait, just a little longer. They're just, they're just checking certain things out. I wait another, you know, 17 hours. And finally, I went like, this is what I said. Okay, I said, and I was, I was nice. But my, my communication is flawed by sin as well. I tell the guy, I say, hey, I'll tell you what. I need my keys now. If you don't give me my keys, by the time I count to five, I'm calling the cops, all right? He goes, no, 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 we're trying to work on a deal. One, two, no, 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 you know, so-and-so, he's going to get you. Two, three, finally he gives me back my keys. All right, I got to get done. I'm never going to let you guys go again, you know? I know someone who was applying for a job at a, I shouldn't say this because then it's like, I'm bashing our car sales. No, I'm not going to do it. All right, but you see, our communication 
is flawed, you know. We've heard, oh, that was good self-control because I, was, I wanted to say that so bad. God, see, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Thank you, Jesus. But, but we all heard, we all heard that old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? But words will never hurt me, right? But the Bible and God's worldview says something very, very different about that. In James 1.26, it says, if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're just fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Matthew 15, 18, but the words you speak come from your heart. That's what defiles you. You don't just say stuff. It comes from your heart. What's in your heart? Obviously, you know, we, we all have been infected by sin. And so what comes out, that's what defiles us. All right? Ephesians 1, 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good, and I don't like this verse, good and helpful so that the words, your words, will be an encouragement to those who hear them, right? Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I mean, that's what God says. Our words make a difference. That's a great tank top you're wearing today, Neil. Nice. Nice one. You see, I mean, you know, right? Okay? God's worldview tells us that because of sin, we are flawed inside and out. Even our communication is flawed because it comes out from our hearts. And, and the, the, the thing is this. Our lives, apart from God, number four, our lives, apart from God, will move towards sin and away from God's design. Just by natural drift. Because of who we are and the nature and, the, and sin's influence in our lives, that, that apart from God, we will move towards sin and away from God's design, you see. Verse 15, Paul goes on in chapter 3. They rush, people rush toward, rush to commit murder, destruction, and misery always follows them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. And without God, our human nature bends towards sin and not good. We, we don't become more moral. Society doesn't just get better, you know? It just doesn't. When people and societies deny or ignore God, they are left to the consequences of their sin-tainted natures. And it's always going to bend toward sin. So you get corruption and decay and destruction are just inevitable results when people choose not to acknowledge and follow God. Really? Well, you know what? Just go back and read Romans 1. As our nation drifts further and further away from God and his worldview, we just see the results. Man, it's like rough to to read the, the, the news, to, to watch the news, you know, that, that we see it all around us. You know, here's Tony doing good for God, and his old van is stolen. You know, that's the second van I heard stolen in, stolen in last year, you know. My sheriffs got their van stolen. And it's a sobering description in Romans 1, I believe, of where we are as a nation today. Remember, those words were written over 2,000 years ago. 
But it applies. It applies because there's this natural drift away from God. If we don't follow God, this natural drift away from good toward evil and toward sin. You know, it applies to the Israelites. You know, they, they messed up. Babylonians, who's heard of the Babylonians these days? You know, the Persians, Romans, and every other powerful nation in the world throughout history, including ours, because that's the natural drift and the natural result when we turn away from God. You know, so, so how does having God's worldview about the condition of mankind, how does that affect you personally? Because, Mark, this is a downer. I didn't come to church to be down. This is like downer, you know? Let God, let the Holy Spirit speak to you that, you know, it really does affect your life, your worldview, what you think, and even your, your, the truth in which you believe about the condition of mankind. It affects you in a huge way, even without you knowing. That if you're living according to the world's worldview, then you're left to try to create a good life for yourself. And you're at the mercy of everybody else. You're going to try so hard, and I got to get a good education, I got to get a good job, I got to try my very, very best. And you got to hope in the, you know, you got to hope in the goodness of the people who are around you, and, and you know, that... That, that together, hopefully, the world becomes a better place to live. You know, you look at it today, you get your little kids, you're like, oh, man, I hope the world gets better, you know? And, but we're at the mercy of what goes on around us. But, you know, it, just, it depends on you fully. And it depends on the people around you. If we are inherently good, then we really don't need a Savior. Right? If we are just all good people, we don't need a savior. That that um, that being a part of a church and going to worship services, you know, reading your Bible, praying, you know, all these kinds of things take on a whole different purpose. It might be because you know I just kind of like having some place to come where people are nice and there's good refreshments afterwards, you know. Or you know, um, I kind of like the self improvement aspect of church. Or you know, I just kind of hopefully want to be inspired every week. Not this week, because this is a downer, but you know, I just want to be inspired every week. And being a disciple of Jesus would make no sense because being like him really wouldn't be essential, right? Jesus' life would just be a great example of how a good person lives. Right? You should make movies about that guy. That's just a really good person, you know? And, and in the end, we just hope and we pray that we lived a good enough life to enter heaven if there's such a thing as heaven. And we're just praying, oh, man, I hope I did enough. I hope all my contributions to Aloha United Way, baby, I hope that was enough. But if you live according to God's real worldview, it will truly impact your life. It really will. Knowing that you're tainted by sin and you're corrupted by sin, you just realize, you begin to realize how helpless and hopeless you are. That, that how much you need a Savior. And, and it, just, it just draws you to Him. You know? It just draws you to Him. You know, I just am so blessed that, man, when I'm just all messed up, I can just push everything aside and just open my Bible and just spend time with God. So blessed. 
I rec- you know, not only that, you recognize just how much God loves you and how he sent his son, Jesus, his one and only son, to rescue you from your dire condition. You know, when I, when I recognize, like, yeah, you know, God, I've been infected by sin. You know, maybe this is not like the walking dead, but we're all infected. You know, this is the sin apocalypse right now. You know what I mean? We don't bite each other and get infected. We just are. And, and it's like, man, it makes me realize just how much God loves me. He could have just left me. Said, man, you guys leave me. You guys desert me. You folks turn your back on me. I'll tell you what. You're on your own now. But he sent his son Jesus to come. You begin to realize that, that man, you really need to love other people because they're tainted by sin too. You know, that they're corrupted by sin too and they're in need of a savior. You know, you, you say, I got to be more patient. I got to be more understanding because there's the power of sin in their lives as well. You know, and I need to share. I need to share the good news about Jesus because that's the only way out. And my faith isn't just private and personal. My faith and my love compels me to love and to share it with others. You know, there's so many times I think, man, you know what? If God, God, if you love me the way you love me, how can I not love so-and-so and so-and-so and that person? Right? There, isn't a pers- there is not a person on planet Earth that I would like to see spend all of eternity in hell. Not even one. That's too long. Right? That's too long. I mean, eternity is more than like 100 years. Right? And I, can't, I honestly can't think of one person that I think, I think, yeah, I would like to see them in hell. Okay? Let the Holy Spirit speak to your hearts to see what is really true. Because you're either going to trust God and his word, or you're just going to look at other sources for truth and answers. Either you will accept the truth of God that we're all tainted by sin and that it affects every area of our lives, or you will kind of believe this humanistic view says that we're all naturally good and hopefully in the end it'll all work out. And as much as we would love to believe that people are naturally good, the truth is we're all affected and infected by sin, all of us. Does that make us bad people? No. No. It just makes us people who are all in need of a Savior. And that is why God the Father sent his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come and die for us. Because we all are in need of a Savior. And so I'm going to call the worship team up. And, you know, as they come up, I just want to encourage you that, you know, if God's been speaking to you this morning, then just say, God, you know what? I kind of have been drifting. I got to turn back to you. Or, you know, God, I didn't realize this. But yeah, it kind of makes sense that I am in need of a Savior. I can see the effects of sin in my life. And I've hurt people by the way I've communicated with them. I've hurt people by the things I've said and I've done. You know, that I I just messed up in so many ways that I need a Savior. 
And just say, God, today's the day. And Jesus, I want to believe that, yes, that you are my Savior, that you came here to die on that cross for me, that you would take the penalty of my sins. Because the truth is, without you, I'm no good. Right? So why don't you stand with me and let's just pray. And we're going to pray together, and, and hey, you know, let's just pray. And if you've never prayed this before, and just pray this with your heart. Um, let the Lord Jesus come into your life. And if you make that decision, first time you pray that today, there are some, like, Bibles wrapped up in cellophane. If I got to bring one up here today on the table right outside, just grab one, all right? But let's just pray. Father, yeah. I don't like it, but it's clear that we're all infected by sin. I'm affected by sin. The things I've done, the things I've said, you know, I've just messed up. And I'm in need of a Savior. And so I turn to you, Lord Jesus, and I say to you, come be my Savior. Thank you that you died on that cross for me to pay the penalty for my that I can be reconnected to the Father. That, that you would begin, that you would begin to turn my life around. That in the areas of my life that have been affected by sin, that you begin to turn that back. That we would turn back to you. So I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. That we just turn my life around. Thank you. Jesus' name.